On today's podcast, we are getting back into things. We are going to be talking about the Red Sox getting no hit, the Oakland and Major League Baseball attendance issues at large, uh, strikeouts in Major League Baseball, just basically catching up on a lot of baseball. Who's hot, who's not, Lucas Talks Cubs, and we give you all our World Series picks for the American League. Welcome into the Fumbling Punter Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Keeney, and with us, co-host, Lucas Jones. Lucas, it's been a long time, man. Too long, really. Yeah, so I am a moron and completely lost my computer charger, which leads us to me doing it on Lindsay's laptop. So now we're all set up again, and we're going to get a lot more regular. I am completely moved. Lucas, you settling into the new job? Yep. All settled in, going great. So the old fumbling punter is going to get back pretty regular. So Lucas, baseball notes. I think that uh, the first thing we have to talk about just because of proximity is the Red Sox getting no hit. I mean, (laughs) it's kind of one of those funny things. Did you think that that lineup would get no hit all year? I mean, it's not something you think about when you pick out teams to get no hit. But it's baseball, and anything can happen. Oh yeah, Sean Manea is one of the more talented young pitchers in baseball. Uh, local local fans may remember him being traded to the A's for Ben Zobrist. Oh yeah, but that's a trade you make a hundred percent of the time for a World Series. Absolutely, I mean, Ben was an integral part of that. Um, you know. You know, it, that's what teams do. Like right now in front of me, I got the Twins-Yankees game on Gleyber Torres playing his second major league game tonight. Cubs traded him for Aroldis Chapman. So, you know, I hope Torres has a lot of success, um, just like Manea is having a lot of success. No hitters are fun to watch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I don't know that anywhere needed some excitement pumped into their fan base quite like Oakland. Uh, if any of you guys follow me on Twitter, Lucas, I don't know if you saw this, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle did a piece on attendance in Oakland and that's kind of been going around baseball as a whole. I know Lucas and I have talked privately about this, uh, attendance is down, but they talked about for the A's Rangers series in Oakland, they were averaging about 7,200 fans per game. That is, uh, that is double A ball level. The old Springfield Cardinals draw that Marlins level. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty bad. So uh, they did have, the A's I saw did have their 50th anniversary game where they gave out free tickets to everyone. And they were expecting like 75,000 people that night because, you know, they play in the gigantic Oakland Coliseum. And uh, so they were above their actual rated capacity that night. So that was cool for them. But you hope that it doesn't take free tickets to get people in the seats. (laughs) That seemed to be the only way they come in there but look that's a terrible stadium for baseball it's old yep the raiders are leaving town the oakland if they want to keep any semblance of a four sport you know franchise there they're gonna have to build a baseball stadium yeah because i think i believe the warriors are now technically in san francisco uh they leave in 2019 20 will be their oh. first season in San Francisco. They have the new state of state of the art basketball arena down there. Of course, the Sharks yeah. play in San Jose. The 49ers play in Santa Clara. So yeah, after the Raiders leave, it's but literally in, just going to be the, the A's. Is, 
you just but the thing is like it would be more economical if the A's would probably draw more fans if they could move to San Jose in that area, but they can't. Yeah, because the, the Giants the Giants own the rights. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mean, you'd hate to see Oakland relocate because they've been there for so long, fifty years. But I mean, it's not unprecedented for them to move because it started in Philadelphia and went to Kansas City and then yep. on to Oakland. So yep. they're no stranger to relocating. Oh yeah, I. So I mean, I don't think that it's completely out of the question. We'll see. I guess they're they having... really are a storied franchise. Oh, they absolutely I mean, one are of the oldest ones. And Connie Mack managed them for fifty years. Yeah, and they've had several great players. They got five or six World Series rings and you know recently everything's all about small or with them you know billy beanball and you know low payrolls and having to trade guys before they become free agents like it'd be nice to see that team maybe move to a bigger market or get an owner with a little deeper pockets or something yeah i completely agree uh i honestly at this point from everything i've read out on the west coast is it seems like it's going to be hard for Oakland to get a new stadium and apparently Portland is a city of big baseball interest now not where I would have predicted a baseball team to go but that would make sense just move up the I-5 there into Portland if they did have to move but of course that may be a discussion for another day so Lucas what I want to talk to you about next is the rest of baseball's attendance uh we kind of you and I had a pretty big discussion about this the other day and you know, there's a lot of tanking going on. Uh, the weather has been terrible. Uh, postponements. You being a Cubs fan, you know more about postponements than anybody. But you know, people are in school, so there's a lot going on. Do you think that if you were an MLB official, would you be would you be ready to hit the panic button, or do you think it's just early, crappy weather, everybody's in school? Well, I don't know. There's mixed thoughts on it as far as – you know, teams that draw big numbers aren't drawing as many. Cubs attendance down by like 5,000. The Cardinals is down by 5,000. Um, I mean, I know they're the best fans, but they ain't showing <laughs> up. And the fact is, it has been unusually cold and nasty. And it's been in schools in session, but I think baseball's probably a little worried. And, you know, I had a I'm not going to name names in case anyone hears this. I don't want them to be embarrassed in this financial situation type thing, which, you know, they're fortunate, so it didn't really set them back a whole lot. But a couple of my friends, they went up to St. Louis this weekend to watch a Reds game, and I was sitting and talking to him today. And he said, you know, he said, driving up there, getting tickets, and they got pretty decent tickets, but you know, they were like three rows back for a hundred bucks because it was the Reds in town. Mm-hmm. So the tickets were going fairly cheap, it, but, but they drove up there and got a room downtown. And by the time they had beers at the game and, and lunch at ballpark village and then dinner that night and then whatever nightcaps, some drinking at night before they went to bed and hotel and stuff, you know, Hey, this cost me $500. Oh yeah. Well, people, a lot of people can't afford to do that. Now, yeah, they could cut the cost down if they'd bought, you know, little cheaper tickets and didn't stay the night and make a whole day and trip out of it. But a lot of people like to do that if you're going to drive two, two and a half hours. Yeah. Stay the night, have a nice dinner somewhere, enjoy the city a little bit. And, and that's just St. Louis. That's not even the most extremely high cost 
city that baseball's played in. Um, yeah, L.A., so, New I mean, York. Another factor is the rising costs of going to see a game. And that's just two people in their early 30s, mid-20s type situation. You know, that's not trying to take a whole family to a ball game. And if you take kids, they're going to want a hot dog or a souvenir. Or, you know, they might want a beer, but probably not going to get one. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think the rising costs of of going to enjoy a game, if you want to have a really good view, you know, if I'm going to sit in nosebleeds, I'd rather just watch it in front of my tv oh yeah better view like if i'm gonna go to a game i want decent seats yeah and so that's something to consider in baltimore the orioles they've kind of figured this out a little bit because they're offering free tickets you know with a or a free ticket up to two free tickets um with an adult purchase of a ticket for children like 12 and under or something yeah if it's 10 or 12 and that you know that their idea is to well, we're going to sell just a regular cost ticket to a father or a mother. And uh, if they got four kids, they're probably going to both be there. So that's enough to get the four kids in for free and try to get them interested in baseball. Yeah. And I think that you're absolutely crazy if you're a sports franchise and especially through the week. If if you're the Royals, they have the it used to be the hy upper deck. I guess it's the price chopper upper deck now. But you're crazy if through the week. Uh, you pick a day, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then all school nights. If you don't do $5 tickets anywhere you want to set up there or do some sort of giveaway, buy one, get one, because you're getting people in, you're getting them interested, and nobody's going to go to a game and not buy anything. And even if they are, they're still in the seats. That still looks better for fans watching on TV that somebody's there. I mean, I know that you know, we've talked and more money's made off TV revenue than people attending games. But, you know, if you get cheap tickets and someone goes and they have a beer and they have a hot dog, you know, there's 15, 20 bucks and it's better than nothing. It's better than seeing an empty seat on TV. Do you not there's agree? There's literally five people in the left field half of the Reds game tonight. They oh, just yeah. Went to highlight there. There's literally five, like great seats that could be had. Like at this point, if they're not going to fill them, they ought to just try to round up some kids from school that's out and say, hey, come watch this game for free. Yeah, and I read something. T- uh, speaking of that point, uh, Mark Cuban talked about uh, having to have $5 tickets for Mavericks games, you know, their upper deck. But he his big thing is he wants parents taking their kids to games to get them interested because then if you take a kid young, they get hooked, much like I did, uh, and they're fans for life. And, you know, that's a, you know, $5 versus, you know, an empty seat and you get a fan for life. So I think that you're crazy if you're not a baseball team right now in those weekday games and especially school night games. If you're not trying to cut the best deal that you can get creative. Of course, you also have to consider that not every empty seat means the team's not making money. Oh, I know. Because a lot of times they announce, they say, hey, this is what, that's their sold ticket. That doesn't mean that's their counted tickets in the door. So they're not always losing money. But you know these Marlins and the Reds in Oakland, they're not selling them empty seats. They got some. Yeah. They ain't selling them. And, you know, that. it's just one of the things where a good barometer of it's going to be during the summer to see when school's out, if more people's coming or whatnot. But, yeah, there's several teams that are just bad. And there's always been teams that were bad. It's just now with the social media age and 
maybe a little more transparency. It's like, yeah, we're bad on purpose. And I think that probably oh, yeah. rubs people the wrong way instead of just being like lovable losers like the Chicago Cubs were for several years. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. So next thing that I want to talk about, and we haven't even talked about this off air, so this might be get interesting. How are you feeling on letting the K-Zone start calling balls and strikes instead of the umpire? Well, my concern is everyone claims that the K-Zone is not accurate quite yet. But its I, mean, I don't see how it's not. It's 2018. If it's not now, it should be soon. Mm-hmm. But my concern is you got Rob Manfred already worried about pace of play, although my argument would be a correctly called strike zone may speed up the game. But like, how long is it going to take from that pitch throw to the umpire to say that was a strike or a ball? Because a lot of things happen. I just don't know how that would, I'd like to see it tried in the minors. Yeah. And that would probably be a good place to experiment. Kind I would of really it. like to see it try to see how quick they can actually, you know, and it may just be a, a buzz and a ding to tell the difference. Like it may be some, an earpiece the umpire wears that it dings if it's a strike, it buzzes if it's a ball or something, and he can immediately just maybe take one second to call it. Yeah. Um, you know, with an average of 400 pitches a game, that's going to add, you know, that's going to add a few minutes, you know, if you one second per pitch there, you know, that's not going to add a lot of minutes, but three or four. And Rob Manfred seems just hung up on this, trying to shave three or four minutes here or there type thing. People need to quit so worrying about know. pace of play. I do know that I've seen some, some of the most god-awful umpiring. I don't know what <laughs> happened. I don't know if more guys have retired and you got some less experienced umpires. But, shoot, I watch about every Cub game. I watch most Cardinals games unless they're conflicting times flip back and forth. I've watched a few other games, but not a whole lot of other games, a few, but I could already think of probably 20 times. I thought, God, this umpire sucks. And we're a month into the season. Yeah. Yeah. All those, those kinks should be worked out by now. So we're both on the same page. If you need to keep four umpires, six in the playoffs, right? We're not doing away with umpires completely. Correct. Shit. Yeah. But hell, I don't even know the point of six umpires in the playoffs with replay now. Yeah, I, I'm with you, but it's one of those tradition things, I guess. But you mm-hmm. just you got to keep four and probably keep six, keep the umpires happy. I don't know that it would be that much of an added cost to go ahead and put K-Zone in. Everything would be more reliable. And the traditionalist side of me wants to say no, but if you can get all the calls right, I think you need to. But I don't want to see umpires taken away. I don't want to see them cut or them go on strike. I just want everything else to stay the, to stay the same. I just want all the balls and strikes to be called consistently and accurately. Are you with me? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I got a new little segment for us, Lucas. Uh, who's hot and who's not? So I got f- four teams that I'm going to say who's hot. Uh, the Mets are off to a 14-6 and six start. The Phillies are 14-7. and seven. The Diamondbacks are surprising 15-6. and six. The Red Sox sitting at 17-4. and four. Tell me what of those teams have made the biggest impression on you so far this season. Oh, the Mets, they, they're, you know, I've always, last few years we've been on this, I've been, I've 
I've picked the Mets over the Nats. I don't think I, I didn't this year. No. But last year I did, and I said, you know, hey, if they keep their uh, pitching healthy, they can win. And that's what's happening so far. They're so healthy now that they're moving Matt Harvey back or to the bullpen because he just sucks. Who would have seen that move coming like five years ago? No, nobody. He was one of the most electric pitchers in baseball, but he just Media hasn't darling. been the same. Yeah. But they really, they're they're hitting well. Cespedes is striking out a lot, so I think that can even get better. Yeah. If Bruce is banged up. Cespedes is striking out at like 41%. He's on pace Ooh. right now for 300 strikeouts. Oh, my happen. goodness. He probably won't even strike out 200 times. It's just one of them early season things. But, uh, you know, as Drupal Cabrera is playing like an MVP, uh, they're going to make some move for some sort of catcher because both their catchers are hurt. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a play for JT Real Muto or somebody like that. Um, yeah, I like the Mets, what they're doing. They're really left an impression on me. The Red Sox, they should be good. They spent a lot of money. Yep. The Diamondbacks were pretty good last year. We knew their pitching were coming up. Uh, pretty good Zach Godley and Robbie Ray and they got Gronky and then Patrick Corbin's took another step another year removed from his Tommy John surgeries pitching real well and uh, what was the what was your fourth oh the Phillies yeah the Phillies uh, I mean they they were rebuilding type too they went and got an outside the box manager um, they got some young talented guys they signed Santana and Jake Arrieta so yep. I mean they I don't know if they make the playoffs, I, you know, but I think they definitely took a good step forward. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also, uh, on my outside looking in of who's hot, I just put the Cardinals against the Reds. They're 7-0 and against the Reds this year. <laughs> yeah, and in seven games last year, they were 1-6 against the Reds. So. Oh, you know, I, was, I, I actually mean, have a note here. So think about this, Lucas. I'm not, you know, you know that I'm not part of the BFIB. I do think that it's important that they win games against teams like the Reds because if they just win the seven games, you know, they go four and three, then they're sitting at 10 and 11 right now. And I just think that it makes a difference early on in the year. So I know the Reds are bad wins against them don't mean much, but it means more to beat the Reds than it does to go four and three, two and five or one and six like they did last year. So I just feel like the Reds are worse than they were last year, which is, not what you want to do in year three no. of a rebuild. No, and we kind of talked. They fired Brian Price today, or not today, the last week, and we neither of us were very big fans of the hire to begin with. We both thought that Dusty Baker should have been kept. Am I not wrong? No, he, I mean, yeah, he should have been kept. Now, whether he wanted to stay or not, completely different story. But, yeah, I mean, they traded so many other guys, and, like, they really don't have really much to show for it. Yeah, so the other end of, uh, end of this new segment here, Lucas, uh, who's not? I have the Reds at 3-18 and 18 on the season, the Marlins at 5-16, and 16, the Orioles at 6-16, six and 16, Royals 5-15, and 15, White Sox 4-14. Four and 14. Now, of those teams, we know the White Sox were still very much in the rebuild. They've got quite a few prospects, but we kind of somewhat, this isn't a huge surprise, right? No, no surprise there. Um, I kind of thought maybe they could compete for 500 this year, but they don't have all their prospects up and they don't mm-hmm. have their pitching up. Um, they got lots of money to spend in the next free agent period or two. So they're, they're probably okay where they're at. They're, their fans, 
I don't know many White Sox fans, but I guarantee you they're not like seething. Yeah. And they see the they see the light at the end of the tunnel. The Marlins are who we kind of thought they would be. Uh, you know, they you can't trade away all three of your best outfield and probably one of the best outfields in baseball and expect to do anything. I mean, they're what we thought at the beginning of the year they would be. And the Royals, uh, oh, man, I love that tweet. Uh, so the tweet that you sent me was some guy saying that uh, David Glass paying this roster $130 million is like buying a $150 meal at Applebee's. And I absolutely love that analogy because that's pretty much what we've got. That is That analogy is, there's been no analogy ever more spot on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And they, you know, the Royals, they're going to be sellers again, and they should be. And But there's going to be obviously some guys aren't going to be able to get rid of, like Ian Kennedy and Alex Gordon. Yep. That, you know, if they would have just passed on them two, they would have had the money for Hosmer and Moustakas, especially what they paid Moustakas. Oh, yeah. God. They probably could have kept Kane. I mean, <laughs> they're going to be able to they're going to be able to trade him. You know, I, I, I see the Royals as big traders. The Reds, I don't really think they have much to trade, honestly. Like, nope. Otto doesn't seem like he wants to go anywhere. And, you know, maybe they should probably try to trade Billy Hamilton if somebody wants a light-hitting, fast guy. But he's super light-hitting. I really don't yep. know if anyone would really give much for him. Um, what about the, the Orioles? Only... Oh, the Orioles, they're straight up. I mean, they have to trade at some point. They're going to be, like, probably right up to the deadline type. Yeah, because they, I mean, they got Showalter and Dan Duquette. They're both in the last years of the contract. Showalter's a good manager, so they're going to give them as much time as possible to see if they can sneak something out. But the right move for them, unless they man up and sign Machado to a long-term deal, is to trade. Oh, absolutely. And for whatever reason, there's no, like, there doesn't seem to be any smoke to the them anteing up for Machado. Yeah, so, so I, think... I think he gets traded. And honestly, I've been thinking about it lately, which I, I didn't want to say this tonight because today I'm reading this stupid ass Moe's algorithm tweet, Twitter, talking <laughs> about how they're going to trade like Jericho for Manny Machado. And I'm like, why would they do? Someone will give him something. They got way better offers for Machado, even just for half a season. The Yankees will give him someone good because they want oh, Machado. Yeah, yeah they absolutely. Need Machado. But, anyways. For whatever reason, John Heyman and some of these guys, which Heyman's just a Scott Boris lackey. I, he just likes – he's an idiot. But he, for whatever reason, doesn't think the Cubs are in on Bryce Harper. Really? He thinks they're in on Machado. He listed them as one of the top five teams to go after Machado, which doesn't even make sense. No, it doesn't. But he's like, no, they're not, they're not interested in Harper. Harper's L.A. or New York or Philadelphia or maybe Atlanta or something like that. I'm like, what? That doesn't make sense to me. But if the Cubs were in on Machado, I could see Theo trying to package Addison Russell, who's got four years of control left, or three after this year. Yeah. Trying to package Russell and a few other guys. They have more than enough pieces to go get Machado. But I absolutely think that after, especially after the Pardon My Take interview that Chris Bryant did, I think that Bryce Harper is 100% going to the Cubs. Yeah, I, I mean, I would like to see Machado this year on the Cubs just for another thumper because he's having a fantastic season. But I do think that after that 
pardon my take interview with Chris Bryant. It's all it was like he kind of because them guys, Big Cat and TFT, they asked him a lot. Oh yeah, about Bryce and you know it's kind of like you could tell Chris and Bryce has talked about it, and Chris was just like, "It'd be great to have him on our team," but. You know, I wouldn't. I, I'm pretty sure he's getting a letter from baseball saying, oh, yeah. "Hey, don't be saying things out loud like that." Because Aaron Judge got in trouble about talking about somebody like that. I think it might have been Machado. Yeah, talking about how he'd love to trade for Machado or whatever. And you know, so it's one of them things where I think like putting Chris on the spot and just the type of guy he is, like you could almost tell like he wasn't telling us the whole truth. Like they've talked about it. Like there's, I think there's a very good possibility that happened. Oh, yeah, I'm completely with you there. So, Lucas, uh, I'm going to let you get on a Chris Bryant rant tomorrow. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, I may drop it, actually. No, we'll go ahead and drop it tomorrow on our NFL Draft preview. I'm going to give you a couple minutes uh, after we talk about the NFL Draft to let your thoughts out about Chris Bryant getting hit. But right now, before we finish up today's podcast, we need to get our AL picks out. And I didn't change mine. In true fairness, I didn't change any of my picks, even though I want to change a couple. But, Lucas, who do you have winning the AL East? The Yankees. I also had the Yankees. No, I'm not going to change mine either. I'll just tell you what I had. Central? Indians. Same. Uh, West? Astros. Astros. Uh, who are your two wild cards? Angels and Red Sox. Same here. Well, we went completely the same. <laughs> Uh, and even though I'm pretty sure we both would like to change our AL East pick to the Red Sox. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that ultimately we're not changing our playoff picks. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, who did you have for AL MVP? Uh, no, I really didn't have any. So if I had to guess, just put someone down here on the spot, I'm going to go with uh, one Mike Trout. Yeah, I I put Trout and Altuve whenever I originally did mine because you know how I love co-MVPs. Manager of the year? Manager of the year. Um, You know, honestly, they're they're probably going to go with Alex Cora if the Red Sox keep doing what they're doing. I did uh, Mike Sosha because – so we never got to release our AL preview, but we were going to talk about how we were really liking the Angels. And I think that, you know, it especially if Otani keeps up what he's been able to do so far and the Angels make a playoff run, that you have to at least consider Mike Sosha, even with what uh, Alex Cora and the Red Sox are doing. Right. And Rookie of the Year, I think this is probably an easy one. Otani. Otani, yeah. Uh, what were your World Series picks? Um... Boy. I'll give you mine. Mine, okay. mine was Astros over the Nats. I had this feeling going into the year. I think the Astros rotation was too good. And I kind of thought the Nats would try to make – would end up like kind of rallying around this may be Bryce's last year and making a deep run. But I don't know. We'll see. They are not off to the hottest start. That's what they have to do if they want to keep Bryce. Yeah. So, That's what they have to do. So let's hear your World Series pick, Lucas. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Cubs Red Sox. Cubs over the Red Sox. Cubs over the Red Sox. That would be a fun World Series. It would be. It would have been more fun in like 2003, but uh, I which we were all robbed of. 
I mean, not to bring up a sore subject or anything. Fucking Bartman. <laughs> Sorry to bring up that one sports memory from our childhood that just haunted Cubs fans <laughs> for another, like, 12 years. But No, I think, you know, I don't, like, the Cubs aren't playing hot right now, but you Darvish and Quintana is not going to finish the year with eight ERAs. Yeah, um, they're too good. Shitty weather. Yeah, they've lost to some bad teams, but they've beat some of these spectacular teams like the Cardinals. Um, you know, I just think <laughs> I just think with the players they have and the experience, like last year at the All Star break, they were under five hundred. Yeah, they were under five hundred. Yep. So I'm it, I'm not panicking. Like I'm frustrated, but I'm not panicking. It's just the Cardinals are a better team. The Brewers might be improved. So it's like they're not going to be playing against, you know, they got better competition, so they cannot go to the All-Star break under 500 this year. But I think they turn it around. But it's like you said earlier about the Nats. They didn't get off to a hot start. They got a new manager. You know, I don't know. They've never had success in the playoffs. You got the Dodgers, who's not off to a hot start either. Um, There's just something about them that I don't particularly believe in this year. Mm, I'm with you. And, And that really just, to me, it just boils down to the, on paper the cubs are the next best team what did i tell you series so i've told you the cubs are the only team that can beat the cubs and i truly believe honestly i think that's true because they'll play a crap game and then they go face a good pitcher like luke weaver who they did have a history oh yeah but they they had like seven oppo oppo hits off of them they just they were finally hitting with runners in scoring position they went to Colorado and dropped 16 yeah. um, runs in the game after that. And it's like when this lineup is on, and Rizzo ain't even hitting yet. He's batting like a buck 15. When this lineup Ooh. is on, it's on, and it's not as long and as deep and as exciting as the Astros. But when these guys are on, they're probably the second best lineup in baseball. Oh, absolutely. I they completely really agree. Like right now, without Justin Turner, the Dodgers are struggling a little bit. Yeah, they are. I mean, they definitely miss Turner. But, uh, Lucas, any parting thoughts before we get off today? Nah. All right, guys, we'll be back your way talking a little NFL draft tomorrow, and we may even hit a little NBA playoffs. All right, everyone, for Lucas Jones, I'm Devin Keeney. This has been the Fumbling Punter Podcast.